0: Hi, y'all. This is Carrie Deep from Coffee with Carrie. It's such a privilege to do this adventure we call homeschooling with you. Thank you for tuning in again and walking this homeschooling journey with us. If you're new to us, you can find us on Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, and our podcast will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. Pour yourself a cup of coffee. Put your feet up and take a little coffee break with me. Today, we're going on a hunt to find and capture that elusive, perfect writing curriculum. So, let me start by dispelling the myth. There's no such thing as the perfect or best writing or grammar program. All of the programs and curriculum out there have their strengths and their weaknesses. What you use or what you don't use really depends on your child and your family schedule. Just like there's not one perfect math curriculum or one perfect reading curriculum, there's no such thing as a perfect writing curriculum. It's always best to start with your student's learning style, his or her strengths and weaknesses in mind, as you decide which writing curriculum, if any, you want to use. Yes, it is easier to use the same curriculum for all your students if you have a large family. However, like math, your students will probably be at different writing levels and have different writing and spelling abilities. Writing is one of those subjects that you may have to do it individualized. There are some students who are natural-born writers and storytellers. There are some kids who have a photographic memory, thus making them really good spellers. There are some students who like to write just for fun, and there are some kids who write the way they talk. They go on and on and on with really no rhyme or reason or actually any end in sight to their stories. And then there's the struggling student who may have a limited vocabulary or writer's fatigue from the act of physically writing or dysgraphia, which is a form of dyslexia. Older students may not know what to write about, or they're not particularly motivated to write about the prompts given. And younger students simply haven't lived long enough to have much to write about or enough experiences to draw from. Trying to teach to so many different kinds of writers and many different levels of writers, a homeschooling mama can easily get lost. So before we talk about what to use or how to teach writing, let's first discuss why we want our children to be excellent or at least proficient writers and good communicators. The most important reason is to help our children share their faith, express their beliefs, and explain the gospel. Especially in the age of texting and tweets, Facebook and Instagram, blogs and vlogs, and news and fake news, this generation, more than any other generation in the past, needs the ability to express themselves and defend their faith in a powerful and effective manner. Our goal for writing or for language arts should be 1 Peter three fifteen. Be ready at all times to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope you have in you, but do it with gentleness and respect. That should be our goal for language arts. Is our aim to raise the next C.S. Lewis or the next Charles Spurgeon? Well, maybe not, but we want our children to be able to express themselves in spoken and written language to impact their friends, their family, and strangers for the kingdom of God. So if our primary goal is not to raise the next Mark Twain or to earn a perfect score on the SAT, then our writing instruction really can use simple and stress-free methods that will eventually produce much fruit. So now let's talk about teaching writing without going too crazy. First, let's address the elephant in the room. You really do not need to purchase or use expensive all-in-one box curriculums. There, I said it. While many of the all-in-one box curriculums that homeschoolers love are great resources, you can teach writing and punctuation and grammar without a box curriculum. And you can do it without breaking your budget. After teaching 25 plus years and writing a few books and devotionals for homeschooling moms and homeschooling my own, I have found that there are basically six components to teaching writing and instilling a love of writing in any student. One, read good books. Two, copy great writers. Three, write something every day. Four, integrate writing grammar and spelling. Five, practice editing skills. And six, play with words. Yep, that's it, but let's spend a little time unwrapping each one a little bit. First, the best writing curriculum is simple. Read, read, and then read some more. When you think your student has read enough, then read just a little bit more. The best writing teacher is a great book. There's this great debate about whether or not to let your child read twaddle. If your goal is to instill a love of reading, then let your child read the books he enjoys. Even Dr. Seuss said, I like nonsense. It wakes up my brain cells. Then, if he's reading super easy books, or twaddle as some people put it, then you just make sure you read great books to him out loud. This will help build his vocabulary, whet his appetite for great storylines, and to introduce him to many beloved characters. As he reads independently, He's seeing how words are used and spelled and how correct punctuation and grammar rules are applied, no matter how easy the book is. As you read aloud to him, he'll learn new vocabulary and appreciate timeless themes and intricate storylines. Reading will also spark his imagination and give him tons of writing ideas. And then after reading together, discuss, discuss, and then discuss some more. Have meaningful conversations about the choices made by the characters the descriptions used by the author, and your child's opinion of the story. Don't take out a list of reading comprehension questions. Instead, ask your child to just narrate the story, to give you his version of the story, or to dictate to you what he enjoyed or didn't enjoy about the story. Discussing stories and characters and plot lines is actually brainstorming and pre-writing activities. Narration and paraphrasing and dictating or actually your student's first draft to any written assignment. Just simply ask your child to tell you about the story or about his favorite part. Ask him to predict what might happen next or what he would have done instead. This exercise in organizing his thoughts and opinions is actually the first step in organizing and writing a paragraph. Don't skip the discussions, the narrations, and the dictations. They are the most important part of any writing quote-unquote program and the first step to excellent writing. So the first component of a good writing program is to read aloud, discuss good books, and narrate or paraphrase the stories. The second component is copywork. Great writers copy great works. Although copywork is often seen as an exercise for young students, it's a classic tool that is useful for almost anything you want to learn to do well. Artists copy the works of great masters in order to study their techniques. Musicians play the works of great composers. And writers imitate their favorite authors. With younger students, give them a short item to copy word for word, punctuation mark by punctuation mark, and capital by capital. Give them Bible verses you want them to commit to memory, famous quotes you want them to know, or poetry you want them to read and appreciate. By using copywork, they're learning the rules of grammar and punctuation while also learning great proverbs, quotes, and poetry. And it's also a great way to practice handwriting in a painless way. In the autobiography of Ben Franklin, Franklin related how he taught himself to become a more eloquent and expressive writer. He said he copied great writing. Franklin only had two formal years of schooling, so he relied on the library and books on his own bookshelves to be his writing teachers. In his own words, this is what Ben Franklin describes as how he taught himself to write. About this time, I met with an odd volume of The Spectator. I thought the writing was excellent, and I wished, if possible, to imitate it. With this view, I took some of the papers and making short hints of the sentiment in each sentence. Then I laid them by a few days, and without looking at the book, I tried to complete the papers again, by expressing each hinted sentiment at length, and as fully as it had been expressed before, in any suitable words that, you know, came to mind. Then I compared my spectator with the original. By comparing my work afterwards with the original, I discovered many faults and amended them, but I sometimes had the p- I had been lucky enough to improve the method or the language. That's Ben Franklin's way. So in a nutshell, Franklin read an article or a passage from a book, then he wrote short hints about each sentence or key words, and then set it aside for a while. Then using those short hints, he recalled what the article was about and then rewrote it in his own words, compared his work to the original, and then revised and improved his writing. This technique can be used with younger as well as older students. If it worked for America's greatest writer, publisher, and diplomat, it will certainly work your youngster or your teen. So start with a paragraph he read for science. Have him write some keywords or hints from each sentence. Ask him to narrate the paragraph back to you using his hints. Then put it aside for a few days. By the way, this is very important in the life of an author. We need time to percolate our thoughts. We need time to let the words marinate in our mind, and we need time to chew on our ideas. So putting a piece aside for a day or two is actually essential in the writing and editing process. Then in a few days, ask him to narrate or dictate in his own words what that science paragraph was about. After he dictates or writes it in his own words, then have him read it aloud. This is also an important part of the writing process. Writers hear and see mistakes when they read it out loud. Then tell him to compare his version to the science paragraph with the original article. Compare the punctuation and the capitals and the spelling. This is also great practice in summarizing information and paraphrasing. In today's technological world, it's just too easy and too tempting to just cut and paste when writing an essay or report. Using this method helps students avoid the pitfalls of plagiarism. For younger students... Use the same method, but with shorter paragraphs or with picture books. They can retell and rewrite their favorite stories this way. So first, your writing curriculum will consist of reading aloud and discussing great books, and then copying and trying to imitate great writers. The third component is to write every day. Yes, have your student write something every day, and it isn't as hard as it may sound. There are tons of opportunities throughout the day and the week to write. And not all writing needs to be informative or creative. It just needs to be purposeful. Ask your youngster to jot down a to-do list or make a birthday card, create signs for a yard sale, respond to an email, or write a letter to grandma, or record a recipe, write a wish list, share prayer requests, or copy and memorize a Bible verse. You, You get the idea. Make sure your child just has plenty of opportunities to see writing as an essential part of his day. Ben Franklin suggested to either write something worth reading or to do something worth writing about. You should also incorporate journaling into your writing program, whatever you use. At the beginning of the year, spend a little extra money and let your student pick out a really nice notebook or journal. Make sure you get one for yourself, too, because you're going to be journaling with them. Every day, or at least a few times a week, give your student a journal prompt. Ask a question, such as, what's your favorite season and why? Or, would you recommend the book we just finished and to who? Ask your child to describe the family pet or her best friend. The prompts can be silly or they can be serious, like, how was your day? What are three things you're thankful for? If it really rained cats and dogs, what would that look like? Ernest Hemingway once said about writing, Imagination is the one thing besides honesty that a good writer must have. The prompts could be story titles such as My Teacher is an Alien or The Forbidden Stone. And then have your child write a story that matches the title given. If you're not feeling creative enough to come up with writing prompts each week, there are tons of free online resources all over the web or you can get one of those 365 writing ideas and prompt notebooks for your child. You can also use Rory's story cubes or the games Once Upon a Time or Create a Story as springboards for writing. And make sure you write too. Whatever prompt you give your student, make sure you write about it as well. Half the fun is sharing your ideas of a perfect day or your description of your best friend, as well as listening to your child's. If your child is older... She may just want to journal her thoughts each day, like a traditional diary. Ernest Hemingway also said, In order to write about life, first, you must live it. So bring your journals or your writing notebooks with you wherever you go. If you visit a museum or go on a nature hike. If you're at an art museum, ask your student to draw their favorite painting and then write a story about what's happening in the picture. Or if you're at a science or history museum, Ask her to write two or three things she learned that day about whatever they saw. When on a nature hike, stop and smell the roses, or at least listen to the birds and watch the clouds move, and then ask your teen to pick something to draw. She can either write something about the object right then and there, or she can find more information about that animal or plant when she gets home and write it in her journal by the drawing. The idea is just to keep it simple but purposeful. The fourth component of a good writing program is to connect writing, spelling, and grammar as much as you can. There's really no need to have five separate curriculums. One for writing, one for reading, one for spelling, one for grammar, and one for vocabulary. Try to teach spelling and grammar while writing and reading. And try to never correct in pen the spelling and grammar mistakes in your Charles writing journal. This will certainly stifle their creativity and future writing prompts if they know you're going to red slash their entire story or description. However, do use their writing to point out a few things they could change the next time they write. Like, did you know you always capitalize the letter I when it's referring to a person? Or, I loved your story about the hair, but I noticed you used H-A-I-R instead of H-A-R-E. This would be a very funny story if the main character was a strand of hair and not a bunny rabbit hair. Or, I noticed you listed some of my favorite ice cream flavors in your story. Make sure you put a comma in between them if you list three or more things in your list. Otherwise, it can sound confusing to someone else if they read it. It might sound like it's one flavor, strawberry, banana, butter pecan, instead of three separate flavors, strawberry, comma, banana, comma, and butter pecan. You can point out a few things each week and then look back at their writings to make sure they're applying the things you pointed out. If they keep making the same mistakes, then keep reminding them. And then give them some copy work that requires them to practice the punctuation, spelling, or grammar mistakes they keep making. And don't circle or cross out misspelled words in their journal, but write them down on a separate sheet of paper or in a different notebook. You will notice your student has certain words he usually misspells. Use the words he uses in his journal and stories as his personal spelling list. My son always spelled very as V-A-R-Y and friends as fiends. Since these were words he used all the time, I made sure he learned how to spell them correctly. And use your child's writing to teach those pesky homophones like there, there, and there, it's and it's, your and your, and to, two and "two." Save your markings and red pen corrections for marking up their formal reports and final drafts. If the paper is littered with mistakes, don't worry about explaining each and every one. Pick one or two reoccurring mistakes to tackle. Find a grammar or punctuation error you haven't had a chance to teach him. Use his own writing to explain why you use a semicolon instead of a comma, or which words are capitalized in a title and which words aren't. Integrate spelling, writing, and grammar as much as you can. Unless your student has learning issues that require using a specialized spelling program, it just makes more sense, and it takes less time and planning, to teach spelling and grammar within the context of their writing. You really don't need different workbooks for grammar and spelling for each child. And besides, parts of speech can be very dry to teach and very boring to learn it's easier to teach them in a fun way. Our family used the timeless schoolhouse rock videos and jingles to memorize the eight parts of speech and how each one was used. Yes, you can sing your way through grammar. Then, use the good old-fashioned Mad Lib series to review the parts of speech and how they're used. Mad Libs were a staple in our morning time basket. And with older students, the best way to learn English grammar is actually to learn a different language. As teens learn to conjugate a verb, parse a sentence, and add declensions to nouns, they will not only learn Spanish or Latin or Italian, French, whatever it is they're learning, but they'll also be learning about direct objects, prepositions, articles, and so much more in the English language. The fifth component goes hand-in-hand with the previous one. A good writing program consists of short, simple, and daily editing exercises. No matter how young or old your student is, Short, simple lessons are your best usage of time. There's no need for pages and pages of punctuation exercises. Our favorite resource is the Daily Gram series by Wanda Phillips or the Daily Language Review series by Evan Moore. Both series start in grade three, which, by the way, no formal grammar or writing instruction really ever has to begin before that. And both go all the way up to high school level. There's 180 lessons in each book, one for each day. Each lesson is a page long with several questions about parts of speech, a few sentences to correct, several punctuation exercises, a few sentences to combine, and a few vocabulary or spelling questions. Each page takes 10 minutes tops to do. We use them as review. And don't be afraid to use technology to help a struggling student or to aid a high schooler. Dyslexic or dysgraphia students should have access to the dictation capabilities of Word or Pages programs. It allows the student to narrate or dictate his story or paragraph while the computer types. Using this capability is also great for editing practice. It will sometimes use the wrong word, like there for there, and it often leaves out important capitals and possible commas. Siri sometimes even makes you say period when you want to end the sentence. Using dictation can help your child get rid of sentence fragments and run-on sentences. And spell check and Grammarly are wonderful helps, too. Then, when they're in high school, you can begin to really hone their essay writing skills using programs like IEW or The Brave Writer or The Lost Tools of Writing or there's some really good online courses taught by top universities around the country and some of them are even free. And finally play with words. The final and sixth component of a strong writing program is to incorporate vocabulary, spelling, and writing games into your curriculum or weekly lessons as much as possible. If you use the morning basket, add a word game in it. Scrabble and Boggle never go out of style. Introduce these games to your youngster as soon as they start putting letters and sounds together. Since these classics have been introduced, Tons of other great word games have been created and are worthy of your time and investment. There's Bananagrams, which is a twist on Scrabble. There's Blurt, which is great for awesome vocabulary building. says Apples to Apples, which is great for adjectives and nouns. Scattergories, You've Been Sentenced, and Boulder Dash. Most of these things you can do as a family during your morning time. By reading aloud together playing a fun word or grammar game together, and spending a few minutes writing in your journals together, it will leave you more time during the day for copy work and for helping each child individually with their editing, proofreading, or spelling. So in a nutshell, the best writing program out there is to read and discuss great books, copy and imitate great writers, write something every day, try to integrate writing and spelling with your grammar, do short exercises and proofread and revise papers, and play lots and lots and lots of word games. Mama, you can do this. Thank you for hanging out with us and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining us, you can find us at our website, coffeewithcarry.org We also have daily devotions and homeschooling tips at our Instagram account, Coffee with Carrie Consultant. Don't forget to check out our website for links to resources mentioned in this podcast and for more articles on teaching the basics. If you heard something you liked, then share our podcast or our Instagram and website with a friend who might need a little encouragement, or share it with a friend who might be thinking of homeschooling next year. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless and see you next time.